Hey, it's Amy, and you're listening to Saving Amy, a podcast about a woman rewriting her narrative, creating her own version of happiness, and sharing exactly how she gets there. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Saving Amy podcast. I have a friend on with me today. And before I introduce him, I, you know, I try to make these little intros um, for my guests. And I've been friends with this person now for a while. But when I thought about an intro for this person, I actually went on their Facebook and it wasn't, <laughs> he's looking at me, ridiculous. It wasn't helpful at all. Okay, so friends, this is a really bad introduction, but I'm going to let my guest today introduce himself because it was too long. There's too many things. Everyone welcome Jason Piercy to the show. Yay. Welcome, Jason. Mm. But there's too many things. Listen, you have your own show. You're a realtor. You're a dad. You're, there was just too many things. Like when I went on Facebook, I was like, no, not today, Satan. Not today. Wow. Satan. Wow. That deserves like an Owen Wilson wow. Like, wow. <laughs> I even, I, I just then I felt like I looked at like him. Do you ever have that who, sensation? Who is that person? I don't know who that is. Who Owen Wilson is? Oh, I thought you said Wilson. I, I thought you said something completely different. No. I absolutely know who Owen Wilson is. I guess you do. Uh, yeah, I don't know how to introduce myself. Oh, but I know. what. But when someone says, like if someone were to come up to you and be like, hey, this is my friend Jason. Jason, this is so-and-so. Mm. Like, Jason, tell me a little bit about yourself. If someone was to ask you that, what would you immediately say? Do you think? Uh, I would say dad first, probably. Um, and that I help people buy and sell and invest in real estate. But I don't consider myself a salesperson. I consider myself, I think, a marketer first. Ooh, fancy. <clears throat> yeah, so... Okay. Uh, and I do some television production and hosting and I do some public speaking and MC work and that kind of stuff. And, um, I spend a lot of time in the mental health space, both like between my ears <laughs> and, <laughs> and in being available to people who don't necessarily have somebody else that they know is always going to be there if they just need to send and like emoji of a toilet and just be like, I'm in the shitter today. Like, I do not feel good. Like safe place, right? Toilet emoji. I'm like, all right, I, I got you, boo. Oh, and then, yeah. yeah. So I call those people accountability partners. Mm, I love that term. I feel yeah. like we might've even talked about that before. I'm not sure. I think we probably did. We probably have. We've, we've had some conversations where both at, at separate times where you or I weren't feeling our best selves mm -hmm. yeah so I yeah i do those things so jason is here today well we're going to talk about a few things okay i might have to like reel it in a few times because usually when me and jason hang out we could be hanging out for four and five hours just straight up talking and i have to force myself to leave the situation or i will keep on talking that sounds it's, like I'm i know like a that does not reflect well on me. I know. It's, it's it like sound, it, I make it sound so bad. <laughs> but I feel like what I'm actually trying to say is that we get on so well and we can talk about things so easily with each other that we just go off on tangents. And then it's like, oh, wow, I have to get up at 5 a.m. I need to go home. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. So today, for those of you who don't know, because um, Jason knows a lot of people, I feel. Not to toot your own horn, but I'm going to toot it a little bit. And you toot, toot. you know a lot of people. So last, was it September of 2020? End of September. End of September of 2021. Jason was in a very severe, uh, life-changing motorcycle accident. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> you know the time that I almost died? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and not to, like, make a joke out of it, but we're kind of no, at the point where... No, we can make lots of jokes out of it. We, we can't. Good. Thank you for because, like, the, the permission it, for that. Like, what are you just going to keep... Like, at what point in my life is it no longer going to be, like, a topic you can discuss without being all... Oh. Oh. Like, when? I'm 80. 
And people are like, oh, no, but he was in that. Fuck off. Yeah. Like, it's, it's like, time now. Let's talk about, like, the cool stuff, how you're, like, essentially half made of metal now. Yeah, I know. You're it's... like Iron Man. I know Jason has talked about his accident to death, but I feel like this would be really helpful to talk about the accident, talk about his mental health throughout this journey that he's going on. Um, and we'll kind of just go from there and roll with it, I feel. So if that's something that you feel like listening to, please keep listening to this episode. Thanks so much. So I would like... (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much. Thanks so much. I know that me and you have sat down and for like multiple hours and have chatted about this, but I would like for you, I guess in the simplest terms, even though I know that's probably very difficult, but to tell me what happened to you that day. For the listeners who do not know what happened to you on that day. Sure. I was leaving one appointment that's down in Portugal Cove Road. And I was headed towards downtown to go to the Newfoundland Embassy to get a bowl of soup. Because they have the best homemade soup in, soup in the silly. Silly? Mm. So, one of the things that happened was a concussion. And <laughs> sometimes my speech gets a little bit messed up still, which is really not great for me because it's kind of all I got going for me is my ability to communicate with my words through my mouth. So when my face stops working and I say I was going down to get a bowl of silly soup, <laughs> everything sort of switches up. Anyway, so I stopped at a set of lights um, on Portugal Cove Road at Major's Path, headed down into St. John's. And... Uh, the light turned green and I picked my feet up and there were a couple of vehicles in front of me and I just was in the pace of traffic um, and I'm a very defensive rider meaning that I'm constantly aware of my surroundings right. and I'm so the two vehicles in front of me just went and I went and at this point I don't have a memory of this anymore um, but this is what's how I was debriefed from the police and the insurance companies. There was an eyewitness, and I think there might have been, I'm not entirely sure, but I think there might have been a partial dash cam footage, too, of okay. all of this. So this is what I'm told happened. Uh, the vehicles in front of me accelerated, and there was a car that was coming up the street on the other side that wanted to cross over to get up to the outer ring road. They let the vehicles in front of me go. And sort of jumped on it to get across before the next group of cars came, not knowing knowing that I was there. Um, I think they said the sun was in their eyes. And uh, yeah, slough Joe. And uh, a couple of weeks later-ish, like 10 or 12 days or whatever, I woke up in the hospital after having been in an, an induced coma for a while and having a bunch of my body uh, replaced with metal and some pieces just taken out thrown in the garbage and thankfully pieces that you don't need well yeah to survive no yes yes true so you can get along without a spleen it makes a head cold really hard to get over but you can get along without a spleen uh and broke a bunch of stuff had some stuff moved around had to have a vein uh hauled out of my leg and turned into an artery and put in my arm and uh um was given a prognosis for my long-term recovery that I wasn't satisfied with and then just sort of tried to do everything I could to change what that prognosis would be. So that's kind of how it all happened. And you've been doing that damn thing. I have been doing that. And I remember very specifically the moment at which I decided that what the doctors told me to expect wasn't good enough. Yeah, and like between... Well, I don't really want to say between me and you. This is like public information. But yeah, one of the long, main doctors so that list- had told you. If you're listening, stop listening now. Don't listen to this part. Just <laughs> close your ears for a moment while Amy says this part. One of those this main- is just between her and I. <laughs> one of those main doctors is someone who's very highly educated. Incredibly highly yes. educated. Yes. And so what did that doctor say to you? Um, I, I said... All right, now, Doc, like, cut to the chase. I'm a big boy. I want to get my head around what I'm going to do here. I got a daughter to look after. I got a business. I got all these other things. What are your actual expectations through your experience 
of what can happen for me now for now until the rest of forever or whatever. And she said, are you sure? And I was like, yeah, your face right now. <laughs> so the first couple of weeks, I'm in ICU. So I'm in intensive care and I'm in a coma. And then I spend four or five days after that in what they call special care, specialty yep. care or something. Yep. So there's a nurse in the room with you 24 hours a day. You're never, ever alone, ever. It's very intense in there also. Not quite as intense as intensive care, but it's pretty close. It's special, if yeah, you will. it's very special. And then I had a few days in the ward room where I was kind of coming off of all of the super powerful opioids. So I was only a couple of days really conscious at this point and aware of what was going on. Like I was still learning every day about injuries that I didn't know I had. Like I was awake for four or five days before I knew I don't have a spleen anymore. And I was awake for four or five days before I knew that I broke my neck twice. And I didn't know that like that I had to have a new artery put in my arm. I didn't know these things. Like so I didn't know that I had a half a dozen broken ribs. So every day like I'd be learning new things. So it was it was getting overwhelming kind of. And so I said to the doctor, like what like what can I actually expect? And I'm in the hospital at this point, I'll say just shy of three weeks, maybe two and a half weeks. And uh, she said, well, you'll probably spend another month, probably two months here. And then we'll likely move you to the Miller Center because they have a really good rehabilitation program. And uh, you could be there anywhere from maybe six to well, three to six or possibly nine months just in rehab there. And... I was very respectful, obviously. I was like, thank you. I really appreciate you being like honest about it because I'm of the opinion that, and it's not even an opinion, it's just fact. Like our brains are incredibly plastic. They are able to adapt and change and and like reallocate their resources to get us to do things that we can't do because something gets hurt. Like people who... Like when you have a stroke, literally a part of your brain dies. It just stops working. But you can learn how to walk again or you can learn how to talk again because other parts of your brain will take over that. But it's hard work and you got to do it. So I want to know the truth of my situation all of the time because then I'm armed with the right information such that I can solve the problem because I, I have all of the ammo. And I do that in work. I do that in real estate. Like if, if you need to sell your house because the bank is going to take it and I don't know the truth about the timelines or how much you owe the bank, then it's a whole lot harder for me to do a good job because I'm not operating with the right information. Mm -hmm. But if I have the right information, then I can solve your problems. So this is what I wanted. I wanted the truth. Right. So she told me all those dates <clears throat> and I was like, thank you. I really appreciate it. But, and I was kind about it, obviously. And, but in my head, I was like, Nope, that's not, that's not good enough. And it's not that it's not good enough for me. It's not like everybody had like just stopped their lives. So now right? I feel like, because this would naturally have a profound effect on your mental health. Yes. That your medical team is telling you one thing and you're like, but that your mind is saying, well, that doesn't work for me. So, when you say, I chuckled because when you say it like that, it's like... That doesn't work for me. Oh, Jason, you have cancer. That doesn't work for me. Like, that's not that's not part of my journey yeah, right now. Yeah, like, yeah. that's... So what was your... I know that you, you said, like, you know, yeah, thanks. Okay, thank you. But what... I feel like there had to be some sort of fire lit under your ass. Yeah. Of some sort, something that happened. Well, because... Like, I'm looking at you right now, and I know this is not a video, but Jason is, is very handsome. Is very and he's <laughs> <laughs> and he has a great sense of humor. Also, he's charismatic. Yeah, very humble too. Anyone, anyone out there? This this could also be a good ad for you, Jason, to get yourself out there. You know what I mean? Seriously, ladies, come on. Okay, I'm sorry. I digress. See, what did I say about the tangents and going off? Like, must we're never going to get scars. anything done. <laughs> Ditto, man. Must be in the scars if you want to date me. I love how we, um, you know, find a little sense of humor in that. 
but I want to know about that. I want you to tell me about it. Well, it's interesting. There's a couple of phases to that, I think. Like, so my formal education is in psychology. That's where my, my degree is. And I spend a lot of time still thinking or reading. I shouldn't really say reading. That's a bit of a lie because my ADHD makes it annoying to read sometimes. I'll get like six or eight or 12 pages and I'll be like, shit, what I just read? And I like got to go back. And so I'll listen or watch or whatever. Updated information around psychology. And I've really taken my, my therapist, um, introduced it to me. I've really taken to polyvagal theory. So if you can... If I can be considered an amateur psychologist, the subfield that I really align with is like evolutionary psychology. So the way our brain works because of hundreds of millions of years of evolution, and that's where we are. So like that fascinates me. So <clears throat> without getting too much into polyvagal theory, basically your, your nervous system, so your brain and everything else, um, there's three general states that it can be in. One is calm and relaxed. And it doesn't mean that you as a person are calm. You could be happy, sad. It doesn't matter. But your nervous system is in a calm state so that, like, we'll call that, like, the green light. You're in a healthy place. And then you could have, like, a yellow light, which is what people refer to as uh, fight or flight. So sympathetic, parasympathetic. Right. And then you can escalate past that when you're into the point where, like, you're frozen. So, like, you, you can't do anything. You just You just sort of collapse you fall asleep wow can't get out of bed you drink too much you you're a possum and you literally play dead like that's what happens when a possum plays dead it's just right that's literally what it is because we're all mammals we go back far enough so anyway the point of bringing that up is that when you're in that kind of an urgent situation you're you're never really in the green place because your nervous system is like freaking out right so I was in fight or flight and whatever was in me that I had, and I'm so grateful for it, that could have gone one or two ways. I could have resigned myself to whatever was happening or um, I could have decided that it wasn't good enough for the people around me that I am responsible to or for the people around me who had already done so much and like, put their lives aside for the better part of a month and that I knew that they would have been willing to do it for even longer, but it's just that part wasn't good enough. Like I can remember lying there and thinking to myself, okay, what are you going to do with your life? Okay, let's just imagine that you can't, that you don't walk, that you just can't walk because my pelvis was just destroyed. Like, yeah, really, for like yeah. anyone who's like, like it, it was what's called an open book fracture. So like picture like legit when you open a book, like in someone's, Imagine someone's pelvis just breaking apart like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, like right like, down the middle sort yeah. of. Like, so you have your pelvis and your shoulders, essentially, that keep you from folding in half. And so like the I lost like one shoulder and my pelvis. So I sort of like almost folded over. Kind of. And it was nasty, gross. Okay, don't draw pictures of what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> and here I am. I'm like a horror fanatic. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. 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 Do you have any pictures? <laughs> yeah, so... Um, Something in me decided that I was that I was fighting. So I was in that. That's the phase that I was in. And I started to think about, okay, we need two things. We need to know in the short term what is not working for us that's holding you back. And I couldn't sleep and I couldn't eat. That's what was going on in the hospital. I just could not sleep, could not eat. And they were, they would give me like everything that they're allowed to give you to help you sleep, like progressively stronger and I just would not I just could not fall asleep and I just had no stomach I couldn't eat so I knew that that wasn't good enough I needed to figure that out so I got talking to my social worker because there's a social worker per floor and I didn't even know this 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 one might be a little bit more controversial I guess but I have things to say about how people feel about our healthcare. okay corporation sure and maybe we can get to that after this because i don't want to lose the if you want to remember it um i spoke to <clears throat> him tj and he's i mean he's the best he's just such a good dude a really really good person and incredibly good at his job and there happened to be this pilot program 
um, I think it was called Home First, where people who are able to do so, you, we can basically take your hospital room and all of your equipment and send nurses and daycare and, um, and like people will come visit you on a daily basis to do the things that you need to do. And I qualified for this program. So at the three week mark of being in the hospital, my doctor told me you'll be here for two more months and then up to nine months in rehab in a hospital. And then at the four week mark, which is one week after that conversation, I was in a hospital bed in my own living room because it, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't, it was, I couldn't sleep and I couldn't eat. And your body can't get better if you can't sleep and you don't eat because it's how you get energy and then how you recharge. And your body heals itself when you're asleep. When you're asleep because it, it, it prioritizes that over everything else. So that I was like, I can't heal if I'm not eating or sleeping. So I was like, all right, I'm, I, how, what's better? So I got home um, and I had um, daycare daycare so it's like i'm a kid send me to daycare <laughs> what's the word home care home care so i had there somebody go. there every day and my parents were there every day and i had visitors from friends um always oh man so much love and i can't like i can't explain to you the math or the physics or the science behind how having your head straight first heals your body like i can't explain to you why i don't know if it's you could call it the power of prayer you could call it the law of attraction you could say that like we're all in elon musk's simulation and he just decided that i was going to drink a potion like i have i don't know what it is i can't explain it but i also can't explain the physics behind gravity and how 9.8 meters per second per second is the rate of acceleration if you fall like but i'm still careful if I'm up somewhere high because I know that I'll fall like it like so I don't need to explain to you why having your head straight works right it just does and I just know that it does so then I started to eat and I started to sleep and stuff started to get better the first while was hard because I couldn't get out of bed so I was like I don't know exactly the dates are starting to blend together so I didn't have my feet on the floor for like four months or so. Like Yeah, because you physically couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't because of the pelvis, the hips and everything, right? So that was that was hard and I lost so much weight, Amy. Man. And again, I wanted to ask you about how that had affected your mental health and how you've seen yourself and, and your body image. So I was still taking my antidepressant, anti-anxiety pill this whole time, as long as I was conscious, as long as I could take something. But I didn't take, uh, I didn't take my ADHD meds. So I'm on a stimulant. I'm on effectively Ritalin, and um, I didn't take any of it all while I was in the hospital. And they asked me if I if I wanted to, and I was like, I really don't feel like focus and being dialed in on all of these details of the fact that I can't get up out of bed. And, like, I can't do – like, I feel like if I get really productive now, I'm just going to irritate myself, sort of. So I stayed off of the – stayed off the Ritz up until I could get up and moving around again. But the mental health part, it got dark a few times. But I remember lying. It was before I went home. This was a part of the decision that I needed to do better than they told me I might do. I remember lying there. And I couldn't sleep. And you're that thing. You're like watching the clock. You're like, okay, if I fall asleep right now, I'll get four hours and 12 minutes. I have done that so many times. Everyone does it. It's brutal. And you just do the math, right? So I started thinking about, okay, when your depression has gotten bad in the past, what helped? Okay. Well, um, I firmly believe that the best feeling and when I, I don't mean it feels the best. I mean the one that is the best for you, like the one that has the most power in your life. I think that's gratitude. And it, I know it is for me, unless there's another one that I haven't experienced yet, which I guess is possible. I reserve the right to change my mind. 
Is that not the smartest thing anybody can say? I reserve. You should see her dancing right now. It's a good one. Yeah. yeah. Yes, that's the friend. Okay, yeah. that's the friend. I reserve this is the, the right friend. to change my mind. And I say that probably once every couple days. I'd you say you should. It's yeah. very good. Yeah. So I am. Um, so gratitude. Yeah, gratitude is so powerful because, like, if you are wholly and completely grateful, you can't simultaneously feel anything shitty. And there's lots of beautiful feelings out there, like um, like love. Love feels incredible. But I personally have been madly in love and fucking miserable. So, like, Same. Right? And probably a lot of us out there. I'd say that, most of us. Yep. Love is very polarizing. However, who, who can really say that they've been completely overwhelmed with gratitude and incredibly thankful for something and also felt anything shitty? I don't think it's possible. I don't think that's possible either because every time I have had those intense feelings of gratitude, it's, again, it's one of those things you can't can't explain it, but it just is. I've taken, so that sensation that, that you can't explain, I've taken to calling that alignment. So that's what I call that now. When I'm overwhelmed with that gratitude like and it. everything is just where it is and I'm so happy for it, I say that that's alignment. Now I'm now I am where I'm supposed to be. This is where I'm at my most powerful. When I when that's where things are. Okay. So, I can't sleep and I'm counting the clock. I'm like, "Okay, what do you do when you feel shitty in general?" Well, I do two things. I think of a ways that I can help people who are important to me, and that helps. I mean, if you're going to be addicted to something, being addicted to helping others is not a bad one, even if it's selfish. Like, even if it's because, like, if I reach out and I, um, I don't know, fill an emotional need that Amy has because she's having a bad day and she feels better about herself, I'll feel good about myself for having done it. So if I chase that feeling all the time, I mean, it's not good to have to get your happiness from other people, but at least you're doing it in a positive way. I can definitely see what you're saying, though. Even if you're kind of doing it, you know, I just want to do something for someone nice just to make myself feel better, do it. Yeah, exactly. And I think I read somewhere once we're more inclined to do nice things for people when we're already in a good mood. So I think it's a good practice to do something nice for someone when you're not in a good mood. Yeah, because it'll put you there. So that's the first way that I go about making myself feel better. But it wasn't possible because I was sort of useless. <laughs> like I was I was in pieces lying in the hospital bed. My brain barely worked. I was still I still had opioids that were like seeping out of my system. And that probably had something to do with why you weren't really hungry either. Probably. Maybe. Probably, like all yeah. of those like yeah. drugs and stuff leaving oh, your system. Oh my goodness, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So then I said, well, what's the other thing? I said, well, let's think of things to be grateful for. And I was like, well, all of these people showed up for me. So I thought about that for a while. Both time, effort, love, words, money. My God. I, I'll I'm looking. Okay, there's tissues here. Just checking. <laughs> <laughs> so I spent a minute on that. I was like, okay, what else you got? And I started thinking about the injuries themselves. So there are a bunch. Like I broke my neck twice so c1 and c3 which are right up at the top of your brain stem which are right next to your brain and they both split wide open but there's no damage done no paralysis no brain damage no nothing statistically speaking either one of those breaks should have caused some spinal cord impingement of some sort but they didn't um so i was really grateful for that and i had enough force up against my pelvis to shatter it, split it in half, and then a few more pieces. Um, but And that surrounds a whole lot of vital organs down there. And there was no damage to any of them. And I lost like 70 to 75% of my blood before I even got to the hospital. And when they cut me open to figure out why, they dug through everything and my spleen was just like in shards. It was all over the place. Um, but every other organ was perfectly fine. And the spleen is the only one that you don't really need. So I started, like, these are all kind of like little miracles. And there was a bunch of them. 
Like I got, I got up past 10 and I was like, okay, man, you got a lot to be grateful for. Really, really you do. Yeah, sure. You're lying here or whatever. And you're not entirely sure how well you're going to walk or run or all of that stuff. But, um, your little girl still got a dad, right? That's right. Right. And, and that's really the greatest value that you provide right now. So is it that bad? Now, don't, this is not that toxic positivity bullshit where like, well, it could have been worse. So I hate toxic positivity. Yeah. And I feel like I've like instigated it before. Like, well, I think we all have. Yeah. Just not realizing. Yeah. But it's a yeah. part of that process of growth where you get to understanding the value that your mindset actually has. Right. I think you have to go through the misunderstanding to get to the truth. So I think everybody that that knows the value of the right mindset, mm-hmm. I think they have all at times been toxically positive. Because I think it's it's sort of how you figure it out. I think you're absolutely right. right. Like I think it's the same thing in most in most places. Like if you're a really good romantic partner, you were probably shitty to somebody at some point because you need to learn your lessons. Or if you're currently dating like the man or woman or person of your dreams, chances are you dated a couple of duds along the way. That's right. Because you need to learn, right? Or you're, you're doing, you're in, you're at your next pose in, you know, Ashtanga and you're going to mess it up a bunch before you get it right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like hundreds of times, <laughs> exactly. hundreds of times, yeah. my friends. Yeah. So I got the gratitude together and, and that, that, that got me through, that got me through most of any mental health related issues up until the point where the healing was enough that I started to become a little bit self-sufficient because when you aren't self-sufficient and you're only worried about making it through, your ego disappears. I had this like little mini crane, like a lift and a sling that had I had to like roll to one side, put the sling under me, roll back to the other side, fix it up, hook it up to the lift to pick me up off the bed to to like hover me around so that I'd like so that I could pee or otherwise relieve myself in in a pot in my living room. Like there's like your this, the humility and the ego like it all goes away pretty quick, right? So you don't spend a whole lot of time, or at least I didn't, in a negative headspace surrounding your own depression or your anxiousness. So your ego backs off pretty quick because like it's incredibly humbling. Like, yeah, I mean, we are all remarkably fragile. And like all of us are only like 10 or 15 seconds away from everything changing forever absolutely like and that's like you made the joke earlier well well when i almost died but like that's true because there are the the amount of times that i'm in a conversation or i overhear a conversation and i and i don't want to say it because it's no it's not helpful and it's rude and it's annoying but you don't want to be like well when i almost died i learned that your problems don't matter (laughs) (laughs) but it is but it is also true it is true right so yeah, that's kind of how the mental health thing went. I just replaced it with with gratitude, and my brain was in a in a state of urgency to fight everything off. So it didn't it didn't have time to be worried about my feelings because it uh, uh, it was in defense. Exactly. Right. It didn't have like time. you were, your body was trying to keep yourself alive. Yeah. So and it didn't heal. have time to be worried about your feelings. Because yeah, they more, can come later. Exactly. Okay. Because yeah. here's the thing about feelings <laughs> here's the thing about feelings and this is true and it took me a long time this is probably one of those things i when i almost died i learned your feelings don't matter the feelings aren't what we think they are there's two factors that that we use to determine how we feel we have a physiological response to what's going on around us and then we assess our situation and based on our personal experiences and our memories we determine based on what we see when we look around and how we feel like physiologically, like your heart is racing or your, you know, your hair is standing on end or like your pupils are dilated, whatever it is, you determine how you feel. 
you assign an emotion to it. And people don't realize that that's what we do because we do it so quickly. And after years and years and years of decades of, of practice doing this, it becomes an instinct, which is why sometimes there are things that make you feel anxious that really shouldn't make you feel anxious. It's just they got connected and that, that pathway got like really quick and really fast to complete. So, but the cool thing about that is that it gives us the opportunity if, we're, if, if we have the ability to be mindful enough to acknowledge that, hey, I'm in a place right now where I'm feeling a way that doesn't seem to make sense, why am I feeling that way? Because anxiety and excitement feel almost exactly the same right. inside our body. So, and if it's a well-learned task, like um, yoga or um, dancing, for instance, you, like you're a talented dancer also, if you're performing and you have that, the butterflies in your stomach, are you anxious or are you excited? Oh, the dreaded butterflies, yeah, man. But, but they're powerful too. The point of all of that, I remember now, was that our feelings aren't what they think, what we think they are. Our feelings are actually, in a way, decisions. We decided, oh, I, I, I'm scared because this is what's around me and, you know, I got goosebumps, so I'm scared. Well, maybe you're not scared. Maybe you're something else. And maybe you just picked scared, right? Adding to that the fact that human beings have been around for a very, very long time and there has never been anyone since the beginning of time that has ever felt a feeling that didn't go away. Like <laughs> that you will not be in a state ever. of just one emotion or feeling forever. It's not this, possible. This too shall pass. The best thing you've ever felt, the worst thing you've ever felt, all the pain, all the happiness, none of it lasts. Yeah. So no matter how you feel. And that's like when I'm in a really good mood, I'm almost like I kind of already put myself upset because I'm like, this feels really good. This feels great. And this feeling isn't going to last for a okay. long time. Yeah, so but you let's... can work on that though. I, like you I really can. Because mm. what you're feeling in that moment, that's what I call alignment, right? Right. So yes. here's, okay. So my, I'll say my day job is, is real estate. And because of some changes to my current physical capabilities, um, I've realized that the best way for me to serve all of the clientele that I've had in the past and, and in the future is to sort of, to a degree, find people with better arms and legs than me and, <laughs> and let me use my head and my heart and, and we create like a, a group, a team that all kind of tag team stuff, right? So one of the things that I teach them is the, the power of being able to harness that feeling of alignment. And this is a real thing. It sounds kind of woo-woo, but this, I promise you, this is a real thing. So what I would do for, and this is on the heels of you having said, sometimes you're in that mood and you're like, well, this yes. is going to end soon. Yes. So I'm and already And I kind of ruin it. it. I, exactly. like, I self-sabotage exactly. myself is what I do, Jason. Exactly. You're ruining the best feeling you can possibly have because you know it's going to end someday, right? That's like waking up in the morning and being like, oh, well, I gotta go to sleep again later. Am I? Why am I getting out of bed? Like it's just it's so dumb. It's so dumb, it really man. Is. When you say something like that, it's but that's like, what wow. you do. That's yeah. what you right. So when I when I catch somebody that I'm coaching in one of those moments where they just feel like the world is theirs, they're so proud of what they did or everything worked out, and they got that sense of alignment. I'm like, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to spend a moment to think about truly think about it physiologically how does this feel like where do you feel it some people might feel it in their chest right deep down in their belly some might be all over your body you might be like shivering and shaking you're so excited where do you feel it what does it feel like how does it manifest what are the thoughts going through your head write it down describe write it down how it feels because this is gonna go away right and you need to remember what it feels like when it's not there because you can't call that feeling to mind if you don't remember what it feels like. And there's a big difference between remembering how an emotion feels and making yourself feel it. They're different and it's this practice. So for what you're saying, 
next time you feel that way and you're like this this is this is where i belong this is where yeah like why can't i just live here well you can see is what i'm saying but it's hard and it takes a lot of practice and it starts with you being able to make notes that future you who doesn't feel like this is able to understand the hardest part about this is the mindfulness where you can say oh i'm in it now now i need to make the notes this is this i is love how, how every episode i do with someone mindfulness always comes up oh it's the hardest always. part as an example if somebody wants to uh oh well, let's talk about alcohol for a second okay sure if somebody wants to if somebody's having a shit day and they're like oh i need a drink and okay. I, I still do that to this yeah, day, even exactly. though I quit drinking. And then they'll go and they'll pour their drink or their glass of wine or open a beer or whatever. And there's a missed opportunity of mindfulness in there because it becomes a habit. And it happens so quickly. Mm-hmm. And before you realize it, you're a couple of drinks in. And you don't know what happened. It just happened, right? So the mindfulness, now don't get me wrong, being addicted to something is impossibly difficult to work through like it is it is very very hard but it becomes infinitely easier when you have the mindfulness of recognizing okay do i need a drink or is something else happening that i'm that i'm hiding from with whatever my chosen substance is right right and that mindfulness applies to like doing that in in every circumstance right like um you're like i'm a father and um i mean i love my little girl like to degrees i don't have words to describe but sometimes she gets on my nerves of course she does i mean everybody does so do when something is is getting on your nerves and like you can reflexively sort of like snap back and be like a little bit shitty to somebody mindfulness can be like no hold on now i'm in this why am i in this and is the response actually beneficial being kind to another human being is not difficult having it register ahead of time that what you're about to do is unkind is difficult and back to making notes about when you feel aligned um then when you feel shitty you take out your notes and you try and remember how it feels. And you might not be able to. Right. And it'll take a while. And once you remember how it feels, then you can try and call it to mind. Like, because it's one thing to be like, we spoke about gratitude earlier. It's one thing, oh yeah, I, I remember how it feels to be grateful. Okay. But can you close your eyes and focus for a second? And like, I know how it feels in me because I work on it so much. I know how it feels in my chest when I'm grateful. So... I can now practice feeling grateful and I can make that feeling happen in my chest. And then like, I actually am grateful. And it, to me, that's like a goddamn superpower. Well, it kind of is. Like, do you use your cane anymore or anything like no, that? Or, no, Yeah. No. Like you went from, you know, a kind of a bleak prognosis to... <laughs> yeah, uh, somewhat, yeah. To essentially, and I can't speak for you, but kind of getting back to normal. Yeah, like, well, I mean, everything hurts kind of all the time <laughs> depending on the weather right all that so kind it of hurts stuff. a lot and there's differences in the form and function of my body but i'm getting weight back and i'm getting stronger and i'm working on things and um i don't know if i don't know if i'll ever have the same functionality that i had but i also don't care yeah i like it i do want to go back that's before. one question i know that's one <laughs> So, friends, that was the first question of the interview. <laughs> I really wanted to go back to what you were going to say about the healthcare thing. That has to be talked about. Yeah. Ooh, spicy. I just, I want to hear what you have to say. Okay. So, I'm going to, I'm going to preface this by saying that not every section of our healthcare system, at least currently, uh, meets the standard that I'm about to describe. Okay. Specifically, uh, addictions, mental illness, mm-hmm. uh, especially the emergency side of those things. Um, I would like to 
separate those sections of our healthcare of system from what I'm about to say. But a lot of the people, not everyone, please, this is not a blanket statement for every, it doesn't mean it applies to everybody, but a lot of the people who have a lot of negative things to say about our healthcare corporation are, it's not their fault, they're unaware of it. Um, they're actually the most fortunate people currently in our system like I was having coffee coffee lunch something with a, um, a friend of mine maybe a month or two ago now and they were complaining that um, they needed an MRI on their on their knee I think it was and they had to wait like nine months to get their MRI and they were going off about how, <clears throat> excuse me how ridiculous that is now don't get me wrong like if I could go get an MRI in a private clinic for a few hundred bucks I would probably do it Right. But my point was, dude, I don't want to be that guy. But trust me, if you have to wait nine months for your MRI, the the degree of severity of your situation, while it's very true to you, it falls way, way, way lower on the actual scale than you think that it does. Of course. I'm not saying it doesn't affect you the way that you think it affects you, but if if you have to wait nine months you're really fortunate because there was a day when i needed an mri today and trust me you do not want to be one of the people that need it today so wait times that people grumble and complain about or if they're waiting in the emergency room and you keep having to wait well maybe that's because somebody just got smashed off their motorcycle and they got rushed in and like the family is there and and like there are people dying on the other side of the door that you're complaining you can't get into so and it doesn't take away from the hurt or the discomfort that you are in but a little bit of perspective on on any given day the most important thing in the world to you can still be one of the least important things in the actual world it might be your top priority but there's a whole other world out there and your top priority might be a low priority in context to the rest of the world. And that is not to take away from you. That's to empower you with the ability to feel grateful for how absolutely fucking blessed you are. Because trust me, you do not want to need an MRI today. So don't complain that you got to wait eight months to get your knee looked at. You're going to be fine. It'll yeah, be okay. Yeah, like I love how all of that was really about perspective. That's all and, it is. And I do feel like you do have, like you are entitled to say what you said because you almost died. Like not to, <laughs> like that time well, that I almost, I almost died. Well, when I almost died, I learned that everybody else's MRIs don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, that's a joke. That is a joke. But like I do, I feel like you have more insight just because of what happened to you and you articulated that in such a way that didn't put anyone down or shame anyone but it's like perspective people yeah but see here's the thing i'm gonna go ahead and call it right now okay people are gonna have a problem with me having said that and now i'm okay with it Mm -hmm. because i'm right with the quality of the content and the motivation of that message exactly i think it was a great message and you conveyed it very well exactly but if you throw a rock into a pack of dogs, the only one that barks is the one that got hit. <laughs> Damn, I never heard that one before, but that's a goodie and I'm taking it. Take it. Uh, <laughs> yes, take it. Use it. So there will be people who will complain about what I just said. And they will be the dogs that got hit. Right. And this is where mindfulness comes in again. They'll be so caught up in their nervous system being in a dysregulated state. Now, I'm not placing any fault or blame on these people. They're unaware of it. And they're unaware of it because of a lack of self-awareness and mindfulness. They just haven't been taught the tools to recognize, oh, yeah, I'm being really selfish and only thinking about my mild inconvenience right now. If I could step back and just to use a phrase that I kind of don't really like, But if I could just zoom out here and pay attention to what's going on around me as as opposed to just inside me, 
I I would recognize how insignificant I actually am, and but they're the dogs that get hit. Man, something that you had said once to me before, and I still remember it, is that you're not special. Yeah. <laughs> it, like, it okay, hurt, guys, like, like, like just for a second here, like, <laughs> you're really you've said a few things that like I know inside the context of the conversations we've had that makes a lot of sense <laughs> like and again perspective is a thing because then i think about oh well like i'm unique i'm special like i'm one of a kind and then i got jason over here being like you ain't shit baby well no <laughs> that's not what i said like you because, are but here's but the thing yeah. you are unique and you are one of a kind right but so is literally eight billion other people <laughs> So now you know that I think the world of you. You they and I do, do not. So we do not have problems. No, we don't. No. But like, how many thin, white, pretty, blonde girls do yoga? A lot. Yeah. Somebody who doesn't know you as well as I know you from a distance, that would be like the blanket description of who Amy George is. Right? I can see it. Right? People can easily do that. I get even if you went on like someone's social media, yep. you can easily just paint Swipe a picture. Through dating apps. Oh, one more, one yep. more like hot yoga girl. Whatever. Next. Next. Yep. Yeah. Not special. Right. Right. So, but the powerful part of, and and this sort of came from the first day, some months months after the accident. Um, I was up and walking. I had a cane and stuff, but. I was, um, I got permission to drive again. And after a week or so of getting comfortable in the car and knowing that I was, that I was safe. So I didn't like immediately like go whipping through all of the, I was going to say there had to be roads. some like mental a, gymnastics. Yeah, yeah. So once I got to a place where physically I knew I was safe to drive because there's no way I was going to put my kid in a car with me if I didn't have the response time and stuff. So one of the things that I wanted to do once I knew that I was safe driving was I wanted to retrace my steps of the accident and I wanted to do it intentionally at a time of day when I knew traffic was low and the weather was good because I didn't want to find myself accidentally there one day not realizing and like have like a PTSD like episode where it all flashes back and now I'm like driving down the street at 70 kilometers an hour and I'm like what the fuck do I do now and I lose my mind so I took the car when I was ready to, and I retraced the steps of the accident. And um, I was entirely overwhelmed, but not in the way that people might expect. I was overwhelmed by <laughs> how insignificant my accident had been. There was no oil stains. There was no dried blood. There was no tire marks on the road there was no there was there was nothing it had never happened and the scene of the crime if you like <laughs> it d didn't care and neither did any other people driving by guy almost died in this spot just a little while ago and nobody gave a damn it was entirely irrelevant and if you take that the wrong way it can get pretty dark. Right. But you can take it the right way and it gets super, super bright. So the worst thing that ever happened in my life and one of the worst things that ever happened to a bunch of people who really care a great deal about me, family, friends, loved ones, uh, was entirely inconsequential to the rest of all of existence. means nothing. Blip on the radar. Literally nothing. And... And I had a very powerful response from, from the community around me. And it was still nothing. Entirely inconsequential. That's how insignificant we are. That's how, how unspecial all of us are. We don't matter at all. Not even a little bit. And that sounds scary. But if everything about your entire existence is sort of irrelevant on the grand scheme of things... Like if you really zoom out here and we're looking at like the universe, all of existence, uh, none of us matter at all. I literally do that sometimes yeah, because just it's so to humbling. get that perspective. It's so humbling. Yes. And so if you don't matter and nothing you do matters, 
The worst thing that happens to you doesn't matter. And the best thing that happens to you doesn't matter. And nobody cares. Then why the fuck would you ever do anything that doesn't make you happy? Why would you not do all of the things that you can do to make you the best version of yourself? And to protect the people that you love. And to help the people that you genuinely feel deserve your help. That's when I say to somebody, you're not special. That's what's behind it. That's what you mean. But I like the shock and awe of saying you're not special. Because then they're like, because then the pretty little yoga girl's like, what do you mean? What do you mean? I'm so pretty. (laughs) And I have so much to offer the world. What do you mean? I need a little legacy. You and everybody else. But no, I love that. And it's so true. Yeah. Like, there's nothing, like, it, it wasn't is. inaccurate, no, what you powerful. just had said there. It's very, it's very powerful. So that is one of the greatest lessons that I've learned. Do you have anything else that you want to ask me? Because I have another lesson that I, I don't, learned that I don't I want to talk so. about. I don't think so. I want you to keep going. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to talk about being a dad again for a second. Okay. Sure. Okay? I'd love that. So, and this is, the dad part is really just an example mm-hmm. of, of, of what we deserve out of life. So I make sure that my daughter goes to bed at a decent hour and I make sure that her laundry is clean and I make sure that her, uh, that she brushes her teeth and we brush her hair and she gets baths and we clean her up and her clothes are washed and I make sure that she eats half sensibly and if she gets a treat, she gets them sometimes. She doesn't eat poorly. I make sure that she's healthy. I make sure that if her if she appears to have something emotional going on and she's not herself i make sure that she knows that she's in a place where her her emotions won't be judged and that they matter and that she's free to communicate them if she wants to but she doesn't have to if she's not ready to and i make sure that all of these needs are met because as a dad that's just that's my fucking job that's what i do right so i treat her like someone that is deserving of my love and someone who I am responsible for taking care of. How many of us don't treat ourselves that way? And I knew that that's, that's where that was going. Yeah. Because I found myself not super long ago in a place where I recognized that I hadn't been treating myself that way. And I had been continuing to punish myself for past behaviors like years ago like well you don't you don't deserve to be happy like you should be in this place you should be feeling bad or you don't like why should you have this because you did this or you were this or or whatever and honestly I consider myself to be one of the good ones and I've made mistakes and hurt people that didn't deserve it we we all do we all have yeah And there was a point in time where I realized, dude, you need to start treating yourself like someone who is deserving of your love that you are responsible for taking care of. And that will, adopting that will change your life. It will. So now, I mean, I have more medical appointments than the average person would (laughs) anyway, but like... (laughs) I, I deserve I deserve to have a therapist that I trust that I you can do? be honest with. I um, deserve to go to look after my physical health and go to uh, chiropractic and massage and osteopath. And I I deserve to get a personal trainer to help me recover. And if my prescription for my glasses changes, I deserve to go get new ones because if my daughter had a hard time seeing. I would get her glasses. Of obvi- course she would. Like if I'm hungry, I deserve to eat. If I'm sleepy, I deserve to be able to go to bed. Mm-hmm. Right? And I de- so, so like stop treating yourself like someone who doesn't deserve your own love. Like if there's anyone in the world that you are responsible for taking care of, it's the person in the mirror. And unless you can look in the mirror and see love in that person's eyes, then you're not taking care of them. And that's like, that's really binary. That's black and white. Yeah. If you can't Man, say I, I completely love you, agree. If you can't say I love you to the mirror without getting all like fucking weird and teary-eyed about it, 
We've had this conversation. We have. We've had this conversation. We have. I've actually. I believe we tried to do this. We tried to do this. Like flip the mirror down, Mm -hmm. and I think I made you say through your tears into the mirror, into your own eyes, "I'm Amy fucking George," Mm -hmm. right? And I, I deserve. I deserve my own love. And I do that now. Yeah. I do it. It's powerful. And I can actually do it. Like, and I say it with confidence, like a little smile, like a little wink. Yeah. Sparkle. (laughs) Sparkle is the word. That's, yeah. that's the word that we've used, I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, I so, love it. And I love that you did that for me. I didn't do it for you. I, what I do in conversation, like we spoke about the, um, the accountability partner yes. things. I do two things. I take the words of the person I'm speaking to, all of the information they give me, and I reorder them and say them back in a way that they can understand the same information they have from a different perspective because mm. you get ca- we get it's a forest for the trees thing we get caught up in our own understanding of things and we, we don't do. get to see the other side of it so i do that and then i hold up mirrors and let people i just send back what i see in them until eventually they see them and if I did anything in conversation for you, that's it. Reword your own stuff and show you a mirror. And I think that's where, like, your psychology yeah, maybe. education totally has helped you. Possibly, yeah. Like, learn these skills and pass them on to people that you feel like would really benefit from it. But also, like, sort of therapizing myself. Okay. Like, having to, having to see that, having to see those things in myself. Mm. And I've done more work with other people than I've done with my with myself at least up Ooh. until the last few months and now I'm nosy I'm like hmm I wonder if that's a form of escapism Jason oh for sure <laughs> 100% it is is there anything else that you would like to add before we start to wrap this up what would I like to add you don't know how many people love you and you don't know how much they love you and even the people that you're sure love you you have no idea how much or what they would do for you if you didn't have the ability to do it for yourself. You have no, no idea, none. And it is, it is humbling. And as much as you are entirely insignificant, you are the most important thing in the world to, to a lot of people. And somebody out there smiles when you cross their mind. And you deserve to think of yourself the way that they do. Thank you. That was beautiful for everyone to hear. Because it's true. And I made it up right on the spot. Damn. Now, if people wanted to find you on the interwebs, where could they find Mr. Jason Piercy? Well, first of all, do you want them to find you? Well, I mean, I'm I'm not hard to find. Um... Uh, I guess it depends on where they would like to find me. Yes, because again, you've uh, you're so, a man of many talents. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I'm a man of I'm a man of one talent that I place in many places. Okay. Really fair. So, I like that. So, like you started to talk about how I do all these different things. I do. I I'm a I'm a one trick pony, but it's a really good trick. <laughs> It's a really good trick, and I can put it in a, play, a bunch of different contexts. Nice. So I do the same nice. thing in real estate that I do in mental health, that I do with Rogers TV, that I do with public speaking, that I do on Instagram and every other Facebook and every platform out there. I, I like it. do the it. same thing in all of them, but the content is different. It's all just my personality. Right. I'm, right? Okay. And so if you like this shtick... Then look for Jason Piercy on Facebook. That's me. Yeah. The Ask Jason Show on Facebook is a question and answer real estate show that um, gives me the opportunity to dole out the best advice I can think of related to real estate without crossing any um, any rules with our real estate board or the Canadian Real Estate Association when it comes to like agency and stepping on toes and privacy laws so i talk freely about everything there uh and you can find me on rogers tv and instagram at piercy jason and i live in chemout terrace and my cell phone number is, <laughs> is that a- 
<laughs> so I'm not actually. You awesome. can 100 Google my cell phone number, but but when you're in real estate, like that's what it's, it is. It's kind of just what it is. Well, yeah. yeah. If you're looking to like, uh, if, if you're if you need a house, hit up Jason, man. Or if you got one and you don't you need it anymore, <laughs> hit up Jason. Or or if living through this pandemic has made you realize that I don't want to live with this person anymore, <laughs> then I mean maybe you need to sell a house and maybe you both need to buy one and like. Yeah. We'll call that the unfamily discount. <laughs> I'm gonna I should awesome do a video stuff. on that should be an ad. That should be an ad. Keep that one in the back pocket. The unfamily discount. The unfamily discount. I love it. All right, Jason. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It was an absolute pr- pleasure. It was now, a pleasure. A pleasure. Now I I'm... really I really enjoyed my shelf. <laughs> I had a I had a pleasurable time. Awesome stuff. I really hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. And yeah, check out Jason. He's deadly by. Loves him. Deadly by. Thanks for listening to this episode of Saving Amy. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe to this podcast and rate it five stars. I will talk to you soon. Take care.